And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Bear Down Sports Association Podcast, episode number uh, 173 today. Um, been a little bit since we've been on the airwaves. Uh, last time we were here, we did a week six recap, week seven preview. Since then, the final, the regular season has been uh, completed. The playoffs Jesus. are set. And we are getting ready for the games tomorrow. This is being recorded on Saturday, 11-26 at around 7 o'clock. So, uh... Bear with me. I'm by myself today. No Tommy Savaro could not link up for a time to do it together. Um, so I will be giving you some uh, regular season finale we'll talk about. And then we'll also talk about the teams that are left in the playoffs and how their seasons kind of have went. So uh, I'm kind of trying to go down, start from the bottom and work my way up. Um, USF, 12th place, finishes 0-9. Um, does not make the playoffs, obviously. Rough season for them. Never really felt like they could get a full team there. Um, defense played well at times, but uh, their offense really just was never able to click. Um, they had a point differential of a minus 154, multiple times being shut out. Um, hope a lot of those guys come back <clears throat> and play on different teams instead of playing on the same team. I think that'll help them get better in the league as well as make the league more fun for them um, as they'll probably be able to pick up some wins playing for other teams. All right, the 11th place team finishing was Florida, finished at 2-7. and seven, um, Took a forfeit loss in the last game of the year. Um, wish they would have told me they weren't showing up. But regardless, uh, finished 2-7. and seven. Their lone bright spot of the season was when they, they were 0-3. They had a doubleheader. They took down um, USF and LSU on the same day. Kind of thought that was going to turn their season around. But right after that, they took a bad loss to Baylor. Um Lost to Florida, uh, to Oregon, lost to Minnesota, kind of end their season on the wrong side of uh, the playoff picture. Um, Florida was up and down. There, there. At times, you thought they moved the ball well. At times, it looked very ugly. Uh, Dennis didn't always have full line line there to block for him, but I think we all say he struggled a little bit. Um, got better, I thought, as the season went on, but overall, they just were really never able to move the ball with enough consistency each game and each week to really like field a t- like field a winnable like a winnable game plan, I guess I'll say, or a game script because they they fell behind early in a lot of games. They were playing from behind. They they had to fight and claw to get back into games, but um, at the end of the day, they finished two and seven. Um, don't qualify for the playoffs. Um, Hope to have some guy, those guys back in the league. Step was a very good player for them. Uh, Buddy, Dennis, Drew, Harnish, <clears throat> Colin Thompson. Just wasn't enough to get them over the hump. The 10th place team to finish was Oregon. And this was a quarterback that um, you don't usually expect to see on the outside of the playoffs. Trevor Garland, Oregon squad. One thing I'll say about this Oregon squad is that they were a very talented bunch. They did have good athletes, but... They were just another team that never could get their full team there. And that's the that's the theme you're going to see about a lot of these teams that ended up not making the playoffs either. Didn't have a full team or quarterback play was was not as good as it needed to be. But for Oregon's case, I don't think Garland had a bad season by any means. Just he didn't have his – he didn't have a line half the week. Um, never really got a real sub for Randy Myers. That kid Matt Simon came a few times but just was unable to uh, fill a week-to-week void for them as they were always scrambling on the offensive line. Thought Trevor managed and did what he could uh, put himself – put himself and his team in a position to make the playoffs on the final day of the year. Um, they fell to Minnesota, uh, 30, I believe the final score was 32 to 19. Um, 
valiant effort on a valiant season. They won. They won. Uh, they won what two games in the final three weeks to give themselves an opportunity to make the playoffs on the final day. Just weren't able to do so. Um, little blip on Trevor's resume, but overall, I'm not blaming this season, this Oregon season, uh, not making the playoffs on Trevor. I'm blaming it more on team attendance. Um, playing with subs, guys just not showing up week to week. Um, Listen, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you draft a team that just doesn't, isn't able to fully click or be able to get there each week. Just conflicting schedules. You're always with with seven or eight guys, but it's always the wrong mesh of seven or eight guys. Sometimes you have your linemen, no receivers. Sometimes you have receivers, no linemen. Uh, Thought Paul Ferrali had a good season. Thought Zach Bilheimer had a good season. Um, But... In the end, they finish at 3-6 and six and fall short of the playoff picture. The nine seed and the last team to not make the playoffs was the LSU Tigers led by Matt Mascara. Um, this was a team that really only had five or six guys. Um, and I salute those five or six guys. Mascara, Keanu, Swags, DeMeo, Kenny, um, and Vaughn. Those were the guys that showed up every week played hard and gave themselves a chance on the final day of the season to make the playoffs. They came into the last day of their regular season at three and four. They were going to need at least one win um, and then probably get a little bit of help on the point differential side. Um, but they went 0-2 on the final day. They lose a close game to Hawaii and then kind of fall apart in the second half of their doubleheader to uh, Cincinnati, which they did have a 14-13 lead in that game at halftime. But um, Georgia had to pick six early in the second half and then kind of, cr- not cr- I want to say cruised from there, but um, they were able to control the game from that, that point forward and come out with a, a, fifth, a, a double-digit win, I believe. Um LSU, I liked Mascara at quarterback. I just think that if he had his full team, I mean, listen, he drafted Pete Mancini in the second round. And anyone that knows about Pete Mancini in this league knows that he is a dynamic defensive lineman, dynamic receiver. So um was a tough loss for LSU early in the season. And yes, they had LaTempa play for them, but LaTempa was playing receiver for them. So it, it listen, uh, it was a weird season for LSU. I was kept trying to get them... Um, I kept trying to get them players so that they got guys, and every time they got a player, the player either would have to then either back out of the season or couldn't play or got hurt. So um, just a really weird season for Mascara and the LSU team. I commend that that group of six guys for putting them in a spot to make the playoffs on the last day of the season, but not everyone can make the playoffs. And with that being said, we um, are left with our final eight. Uh, final standings are Pittsburgh number one, led by Nick Suroff, nine and zero, has won nineteen straight regular season games at quarterback. Um, an unprecedented streak, honestly. But only matters if you get the ring. Um, Cincinnati finishes eight and one, led by Anthony Mbimbo, reigning reigning uh, champion with his um, with a lot of his guys from the season prior, Matt and um, Delon leading the way on the defensive line. Um, this team, this is a good team. They uh, they play good defense. Their only blip on the season was an early season loss to Pittsburgh, twenty six to six. I think if those two teams met again, it would be an, it would be a much better game in terms of score. Um, but Pittsburgh nine and zero, Cincinnati eight and one. Um, I like Cincinnati as a team to definitely potentially IB is definitely in the realm to repeat potentially to at least make the finals. But, um, there are some teams on his side of the bracket that I think will definitely have something to say about that. Um, the third seed who picked up a forfeit win in the last week of the season is West Virginia. West Virginia finishes the season six and three finishes as a three seed, um, 
Tommy and Malik, man, that that was a that was a storyline all season. Uh, that connection was just as good, if not better, than the Tommy and Pauly connection. The me and Mike connection, the Augie and Justin connection, Liam with whoever you want to put him with. That this Malik Tommy to Malik was devastating the league for uh, probably the first like five or six weeks. Cooled off a little bit at the end um, as teams kind of really started to try to take Malik out of the games. Uh, Malik is a is a dynamic playmaker. Um, with the ball in his hands, Tommy does a very good job throwing, getting him the ball, letting him create plays in space. Um, Tommy's rolling right now. That West Virginia team, we haven't seen them play since they took a loss, I believe, to um, to the Georgia team, who's the seventh seed, who they won't see in the first round. But um, this is a team that scores a lot of points. So if you're West, if you're playing West Virginia, you're going to have to score probably 25 plus points to win a game. Uh, the Dane Lupton has been an amazing player for them this season. Austin doing his thing on both sides of the line. Um, Johnny Samarco, um, Joe Venti, Matt Ballow, Dan Dexter coming to the team late in in sub of a fourth round pick that never showed up. So West Virginia did it did a lot with a little this year. They usually had seven or eight guys every game. So I'm hoping that they have their full team here for the playoff run. Coming at the four seed was the Baylor Bears, led by. Sorry, led by Ollie Garbolato and Justin Ferrara, uh, finish also finished six and three, but have a finished with a worse point differential than West Virginia. Last time we saw this Baylor team, they lost, I believe, fourteen to nine to the number one seed of Pittsburgh team. Um, this was definitely a matchup where both teams knew they really didn't have that much to play for. Um, Baylor could have un unseated the regular the undefeated regular season from Suroff, but. Um, Pittsburgh's defense, man, they're just really good. They really stifled the Baylor offense inside the 10-yard line. They, they're they a bend-but-don't-break team. They've been doing that all season, allowing teams to get inside the 25, but then just not um, allowing them to score, which if you're doing that, it really doesn't matter. Um, it really doesn't matter if you're letting them to get to first and goal because if you're not letting them score, it really doesn't matter. Their defense has been one of the best in the league all season. Um, this Baylor defense is also very good, though. They have Justin. They have Rob Reddington. They have... Um, Augie back there. They've ace in the middle. Um, Baylor, Baylor is a good team, and I know that for a lot of the season they were chilling in the top two to three. They fall to four in the last game of the season. Um, I don't think they're worried about that. I don't think they really care about that. Um, they're in the dance. They um, have really good players, guys who have succeeded at this this in this league at the highest level. And I am think that they will be just fine in the playoffs. Um, but it's going to come down to if their offense can execute in the in the last third of the field, the last fifteen yards. You got to start punching those in for touchdowns. Get more uh, Justin targets in the red zone. More Sedano runs. I know early in the season the Baylor offense was very good inside the five, inside the ten because of Sedano running with the football. Um, I think that could be a weapon that. Augie can and the Baylor offense can use to their advantage, take the load off of Augie, not make him have to do everything and be a superhero every single play. Um, at the end of the day, man, Justin's got to be involved. Justin has to be locked in. He's got to be playing very aggressive on both sides of the ball, making plays, forcing turnovers. And if he does that, then he's going to put Baylor in a good position to win the championship. Coming at the five seed is Mike Gargano and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Uh, they win their final game of the season to improve to 5-4 and four over LSU. Um, Augie and... I mean, not Augie, sorry. Mikey and Spo. Uh, this has been a tandem that has won a championship in this league before, has had a lot of success in this league. Um, so I'm never going to count them out of a playoff game. And Mikey knows how to really play in the playoffs. Slows the game down, um, drags out possessions, 
um, limits how often your offense touches the ball, which really puts your offense at a a little bit of a pressure situation to make sure you're scoring each time you touch it because you don't know how many times you're actually going to touch it. Um, Hawaii... They, listen, Mikey's teams always play unorthodox styles. Mikey is going to mix it up on offense. He's going to run the ball with multiple people, with Bartlett, with Isaiah Copes. Um, he's got a good offensive line with Rags, uh, Dean Wiatrowski, and Amir. Also could throw Spo on that line as well if needed. Um, but I think if their full team shows up and Spo's able to play receiver, that opens up the offense a little bit and gives Mikey a little more, uh, a little more confidence with having a good three receivers of Zay, Spo, and Ryan Bartlett um, on the outside. Bartlett's had a really good season for Hawaii. Definitely in the conversation for most improved player of the season of the year, I believe. Um, close, close to if not league leading in interceptions. Um, I think this Hawaii defense is another defense that is very good. They pull flags very well, and uh, their key is going to be it, how how healthy is Rags. Rags uh, didn't play last week. had had a wrap on his leg. Says he's playing in the playoffs. Is not going to take the sub. So um, I think Rags' health is going to be a big thing for Hawaii because they get pressure as he goes on the defensive line and if he's not able to get consistent pressure on Augie (coughs) and Augie has time to throw it could be a long day for Hawaii but we'll talk about that in a little bit um but I think Hawaii even with the rags injury is still in good position to win a first round matchup and make a run potentially the sixth seed is the other Gargano brother, Vin Gargano, who subbed in for UNC around the middle of the season when Paul Coco had to uh, leave the league due to a new job opportunity. And uh, honestly, this UNC team needed it more than anything. Uh, they finished four and five, finished as the sixth seed. They have a first round matchup against a three seed West Virginia, so a Galante Gargano battle in round one. Um, this UNC team, it showed some life on offense after Vin, Vin took over. Vin is a great quarterback, a goat of the league, um, has won many championships before. Um, this is a good enough team where he can make a run, and I know he likes the team. We talked about it uh, a week or two ago about how he really thinks that this team, if, if they just play good ball on defense, that he's going to be able to move the offense and score points. Um, I think UNC has definitely has upset potential in round one to pull off an upset just solely because they have guys who have won in this league. They got Gargano. They got Douglas, who's been in numerous championship games. Um, Bowen's been on a lot of successful teams in this league. So um, Aaron Ford, another guy who I think uh, has really bought into the cornerback offensive line role that not many people probably play, but he's a dynamic athlete, and I think he can make a big difference in a playoff matchup for the UNC team. Um I like this UNC team. I think that they definitely have the ability to pull off a first round matchup, uh, a first round upset. That will t- I'll talk about the matchup in depth a little more in a little bit. Um, I just there. I guess their Achilles heel would probably be their defense. Um, maybe not the best flag pulling team. Another team that necessarily hasn't shown up every single week in full attendance so they're still kind of a work in progress in some in some ways but when you have Vingriano behind center and you have TJ Angstad, Steve Bolin, um, Nick Douglas, Aaron Ford, Griffin Lutz, Jodell you got a chance to win so um, UNC is in good position they have a good team and I'm excited about their chances in the first round as well. Um, the seven team, the seven seed, I should say, was the Georgia Bulldogs led by Joey Liotta. Uh, Joey Liotta, last time we saw him play, it was a doubleheader in which he 
Um, he knocked off the West Virginia squad 34-27, probably his best game in Bear Down as a quarterback, uh, or one of, if not the, best game he's played. And then they, they took a, uh, a loss in the second year of their doubleheader to UNC, which is the reason why they are the seven and UNC is the six. UNC, I mean, um, Georgia... Georgia has a good array of receivers. Paul Carter, Jimmy Flott, Alex Hines, good lineman with Rec Crystal, Joe Malozzi. Paul Carter plays some line as well for them. They have a very well-rounded team, and I know that they haven't played in almost two weeks now. Leota almost hasn't played in three weeks now. They had a bye at the end of the season last week because they had no more games left to play when some teams still had to play their final game of the year. I saw some of the guys at the field last week watching the teams, kind of just getting an idea of who they maybe will be playing, get to watch these teams. They will be matched up with the defending champ and the two-seed Cincinnati in the first round. And I don't think they're nervous about the matchup. I think that they think they have a team that can compete with the Cincinnati squad. They're going to have to be really good in the trenches. And they're going to, and Leo's going to have to be on his game because I know IB is going to be on his game and IB is going to uh, do a lot of game planning and be ready to go. But this Georgia team is very good. They have good receivers. They pull flags pretty well. And they've kind of found something with uh, getting Flott and Vin Orlando getting uh, splitting some reps on the defensive line I saw in one of the weeks. Speedier guys who can get pressure quicker on some of these bigger linemen and these quarterbacks that don't want to move. And I think in a game against Cincinnati and IB, you're going to really have to use those uh, rushers and cause pressure to him. Georgia definitely has upset potential. Not sure I'm going to pick it. But they do definitely have the quarterback to uh, beat IB. Uh, fun fact, Leota did beat a IB-led squad in a playoff game in spring of 21. He subbed in for the Dartmouth team at quarterback and beat the Georgia team led by IB in that spring. 26-6, uh, to 6, I think, wasn't close. Um, not saying that's going to happen again. Just saying that is what history has happened in these matchups. These two teams did not match up in the regular season, so uh, could be very interesting. Coming in at the eighth seed and the final team to make the playoffs through the skin of their teeth by the skin of their teeth, the Minnesota Go- Golden Gophers. It was not an easy season for us. We we uh, we had attendance problems. We had quarterback issues. We had um, defensive issues at times this season, but. One in five through six games, knew that we needed to go three and oh in the final three, plus probably get a little bit of help from some of the top teams to keep beating the bottom teams in the league. And luckily enough, that is exactly what happened. Uh, we finished off the season three and oh, beat the Baylor squad, Oregon on last day of the season, and Florida as well. So we took care of our business and we got help from the Cincinnati's of the world and the Hawaii's who took care of LSU in that final game of the season to make us the eight seed. We are a hot 8C right now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The team morale in the chat has been way different over these last three weeks than it was over the first five or six. I'm not used to being on teams that are fighting for a playoff spot towards the end of the season, so it was definitely a little bit of a change-up for me and a bunch of my guys who are usually normally uh, safely in the playoffs going into the last game of the season. But I think for this for our Minnesota team, it kind of put us in a, all right, the playoffs start now, and that was in week seven, I believe. We had a doubleheader that week. We got two wins, and that was our that was the start of our playoffs. So in my in our opinion, we've already been in the playoffs for two three games now, two straight weeks. Um, we have a tough matchup against the number one seed. Uh, it's going to be a difficult matchup, but I think that if my whole team shows up and we have a full 10 there ready to go, um, we've shown that we can compete with everyone in the league, shown that we can beat the top some of the top teams in the league as we have done. Um, but yeah, I, I, listen, our season was not pretty, 
but it does not really matter at this point because at this point now we're the eight seed. We're a zero and zero, just like all the other seven teams in the playoffs. And the goal is to win one game and move on and win another and then win the championship. So um, our team is ready. I think that we're uh, we're going to give Pittsburgh a really good fight. And it should be interesting to see who comes out of this uh, this eight-team bracket to finish off our 10th or the ninth season of uh, Bear Down Football and complete one of the sides of the trophy. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who want to get that their name on that trophy. A lot of quarterbacks who've been playing for a long time, like uh, Suroff, Galante, um, guys that have not seen the top of the mountain in this league, and I know they are itching to get there. So that does it for a recap of the teams and kind of their seasons, how they finished. Um, Tommy is not going to be joining us. He's not still not back yet, and I cannot wait for him. So we are going to be doing the round one uh, picks, and I am going to start. We'll start in order. All games played at Sayreville High School, 9 o'clock start, one game at a time. Hopefully going to get it on the IG Live so everyone that can't make it um, for whatever reason, can still follow along uh, for the day's games because I do feel that these four games are all going to be very high competitive games, so I want everyone to be able to see, even if you're not at the field. So let's talk about it. First game of the day, 9 o'clock game, remember one game at a time. We have the number one seed, the Pittsburgh Panthers, <clears throat> led by Nick Suroff, Liam Knowles, and Zach Sobes, going up against the Minnesota eight seed, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, led by, I guess, myself, Mike Danino, Morick, Rich, Caleb. Um, it's going to be a very interesting game. Last time these two teams played, Pittsburgh won a nail-biter 19-14 in which Pittsburgh's defense did what, does what they always do, allows you to run, the, get towards the end of the, allows you to get down the field, and then stops you inside the 10. I think they had two or three stops on us inside the 10-yard line. Um, it would be remiss, I would be remiss to leave out the context that they jumped out to a 13 nothing lead then we got our got our last line in there and we outscored them 14 to 6 the rest of the game uh no excuses obviously and that does not mean that we are going to win guaranteed this week just because we played a good second half against them but obviously we found some success in what we wanted to do when we had enough of a team there to really compete um that defensive line gave us some problems in the first matchup, even when we had our full team. A lot of sa- I know they had a three or four or five sacks in that game, so my offensive line definitely needs to step up a little more in this game and play better um, than they did the last time Pittsburgh came to town. Um, listen, on paper, it's 9-0 versus 4-5, but if you know the league and you know the league's history, me and Sarov have a rich history playing against each other. Uh, he got his first playoff win against me. I got a bunch of wins against him. Um Liam Knowles has never lost to me in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's three or four now at this point, multiple three times in championships. So uh, luckily, I'm seeing him in round one this time, not in the championship game. But uh, listen, it's going to be a very high energy game. I expect a lot of preparation shown from both sides based on just guys calling out plays, guys seeing things before they happen. Um, I think both quarterbacks have to really come to play. Uh, the weather is supposed to hold up pretty well until maybe around like 1 o'clock, so we shouldn't see any rain in this game, and if we do, it'll be only for a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm taking myself. I'm going to assume that Tommy would take Pittsburgh due to the fact that they're undefeated, they've beaten us already, they have an elite defense, um, and they just have the makings of a team who wins a championship in this league. So I'm going to say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Tommy would have picked Pitt and I'm picking myself, obviously. 
I think our game plan is really good. I think that we, I think that I've definitely picked up on some stuff by watching film this week. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Everyone and everyone that's like that knows about the league knows that, uh, or that's been like that has talked to me in the last three days knows that Mike Dino is definitely going to be somewhat limited in this game. Uh, got hurt earlier in the week just playing flag football for a turkey bowl. He's still suiting up. I expect him to still play and be effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were two Pittsburgh players there that saw it happen, so um, there was no hiding it. There was no way to get around it. Um, but He's going to give it a go for sure. I know he's mad about the last time he was in the league. He got an appendicitis. He had his appendix taken out right before the playoffs and was unable to play in the playoffs at all. And now, once again, this is happening, an injury right before the playoffs as well. But there's no excuses from the Minnesota side. We come, we, we, we play with who we got, and uh, I am ready to get going with that game. I can't wait. Uh, we are almost just we're 13, 13 and a little, 13 and some change away from the start of these playoffs. So uh, very excited to... Uh, get out there tomorrow and see what we can do against this Pittsburgh team. All right, second game of the day: two seed Cincinnati taking on seven seed Georgia. Um, Cincinnati is, you know, that in a playoff game, and probably in any game, Cincinnati is going to be the more prepared team, and that's just because IB does an excruciating spends an immense amount of time game planning. He watches your film, he knows your tendencies, he sees what you like to do, and. I saw it firsthand in the finals last last summer, the past summer. He he really knows like what you're what you're looking to run on certain plays by watching your film and really see he's a he's a savant of the game. He's also one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Um, and I, it's I'm gonna be hard pressed to pick it against him. I think if Georgia is going to win, the key for Georgia to pull off this upset is going to play like a little bit of a Mikey style, which is not very like Leota, but keeping the ball away from IB, limiting the time possession that they have, winning the time possession battle, and Leota, you can't turn the ball over. You cannot turn the ball over. If you turn the ball over, you definitely will not win this game. I think the biggest key for them is going for Georgia is going to be you have to win the turnover battle. Um, you have to force IB into tough throws. Get pressure in his face, um, force him to throw off his back foot because that's where he's most com- uncomfortable. Uh, you also need to do a good job of keeping him in the pocket because if IB is able to escape and get Delon and Matt Marola um, blocking in front of him down the field, it, it's just not a sight that you want to see as a defense, and it really puts your defense on their heels. And if the run game is working and the pass game is working, you're just going to be you're going to find yourself scrambling for answers with little time to make them. Um, with a little time to find them, I should say. Adjustments are going to be key in this game because I do think that both of these quarterbacks are smart. They're both going to see what the defense is doing. They try to take away certain things, and they're going to have to adjust to counteract those game plans for the opposing defense. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Tommy will also be taking Cincinnati in this game as well as I am. I don't see IB and the Cincinnati team being upset in this first round, although I do expect a good game, and I do expect Leo to... Um, this Georgia team to have a lot of energy, especially early, to try to get get a lead and play with a lead because I think that's another key for Georgia in this game. They're going to have to get up early and try to play ahead of Cincinnati and put them in pressure to score each time they touch the ball. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think IB is going to take care of business and get a round one win and advance to the semifinals. Third game of the day, 11 o'clock start is the three-seed West Virginia taking on the six-seed UNC. Talked about it a little bit in the team season recaps that I felt like UNC had a chance to pull off an upset in this game, and I do believe that. Um, This West Virginia team is good, though. It's not just Tommy and Malik. They have Dan Dexter as another receiver. They have a really good line with Don Maselli, um, Dane Lupton, and Austin. 
they play Ballo at center sometimes when they have to. Tommy has just been completely um, on top of his game this season, not really turning the ball over. Malik has been the MVP of the, of the league, if not Tommy. He They play very good defense. Tommy and Malik are two of the better defenders in the league as well. I think it's going to be a it's a, it's going to be an uphill battle for the UNC team, but I think like Georgia, if they're able to control time possession, limit Tommy's deep plays, and win the turnover battle, they're going to put themselves in a good position to win. Tommy is a quarterback that really likes to take chances down the field. He's going to get, he's going to give his receivers opportunities to make plays for him, and he's also decided that this season he's really going to use the offensive line and Dane off the line to catch the ball and make plays and kind of take the pressure off him on some of the plays. Tommy's also been a great runner this year. I think he leads the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, he's going to have a good case for MVP. So I'm going to leave it at that. This West Virginia team has been a well-oiled machine offensively all season um, outside of some blips here and there. I'm going to take West Virginia. I know I've gone chalk almost the entire way, but I think that um, I just think that the West Virginia offense is going to be a little bit too much for the UNC defense to handle. But if the UNC defense gets some pressure with their D linemen are able to sack Tommy and not just not just make him scramble for a long time because Tommy's very good at scrambling, finding open receivers when, when the scramble drill is on. They're going to have to finish those pressures with sacks. And if they're able to do that, then they will could, could potentially find themselves on top in this game. I'm taking West Virginia. I think that um, the last two times he's seen play, West Virginia won by two scores, but it was a very controversial game. There were multiple calls that changed the outcome of that game, so I'm not counting UNC out. UNC also is playing that game with Paul Coco, I believe, so this will be the first matchup between Vin and Tommy this season with these teams. But I'm taking West Virginia. I think the three seed will come out on top in this one. Final game of the day. This is probably the best game. I don't even know this best game. All games are all really good, but I think this is going to be the most uh, shit-talking in a single game this season uh, or for this day is the five seed Hawaii taking on the four seed Baylor. These teams met earlier in the season. Baylor won 20 to 13. That ga- in that game, I ref that game. In that game, Baylor never struggled to score and never trailed in the game. They won the game 20 to, uh, sorry, I won't say they didn't struggle. The Hawaii defense is a good defense, but they never trailed in the game. They never were sweating. They were up uh, 7-0, then it was 7-6, then it was 13-6, then it was 26. Late score by Hawaii, I think, makes it 20 to 13 final. This Baylor team can't, can't overlook, they can't overlook this Hawaii team in any way. They cannot think they're going to, they just, they can't just come in their cocky thinking that they're going to win this game because Hawaii is a hard-nosed defense who's going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback who's going to make sure that Justin is not the one that beats them. So I think Rob L and Sedano are going to have to step up in a big way in this game. Um, one thing to note, Ace uh, Ace is definitely questionable for this game. I'm Last I've been told, he was not coming to the game. I could be wrong on those sources, but if he does not show up, that is a huge game changer for this game. That would probably force the defense to put Justin back in middle linebacker and get Rob L. or somebody else at safety. It could be an interesting matchup if that is the case. If Ace plays, then the defense can obviously be at their top strength, but last I heard, Ace is not showing up. If Ace doesn't show up, it... I'd have to potentially give, I think I'd give Hawaii a slight edge in this game if Ace doesn't show up because Ace is the vacuum that gets all flags in the middle. Um, I know Justin would step in and he's just as good at pulling flags as Ace. I just think that that, that element of their defense is going to be so, um, it's just going to be, it's just going to change how they play their defense if they have to change where they've been doing basically the entire season. I don't think Justin's taken many snaps, if any, at middle linebacker this season. So I know this Baylor defense wants to play defense the way that they want to play it. 
I, I, this is going to be the toughest pick for me today. I think this is the game I've struggled with the most. Um, I think I'm going to pick Baylor. I just think that they have the athletes to uh, put this game to put this game away. I think Justin's the best athlete on the field. It's going to be an interesting matchup with Isaiah Copes. I imagine that they'll do some sort of double teaming on Justin to try to really take him out of the game. You know that's not going to stop Augie from throwing him the ball. The one thing I want to see from Augie is just being more um, decisive with his running and throwing. Either get the ball fast or go make a move with your legs. You're one of the most dynamic dynamic players with the ball in your hands in the league. And I think that the key to winning in the playoffs is quarterbacks running and just not having negative plays and turning bad plays into good plays and not really turning the ball over. So I think Augie, key way to do that, get some big, big long runs um, throughout the game, put pressure on the defensive line to really pull your flag in the backfield. I mentioned the Rags injury definitely hurts the defensive line of the um, the Rainbow Warriors. Spo is going to have to play a huge role in this one if uh, on the D line if they're going to have if they're going to squander or squander. If they're going to uh, put this Baylor offense to bed, I'm taking Baylor, though. I'm not sure who Tommy would take, so I'm not going to speak for Tommy on this game. Um, I think he would lean Baylor, but I don't actually know. Um, I have not talked to him about the games. I know he will be there on Sunday, I believe. Um, But with that being said, my picks are Minnesota 8-seed, 2-seed Cincinnati, 3-seed West Virginia, 4-seed Baylor teams I would not be surprised if they won are I honestly wouldn't be surprised if any of the teams if any team on Sunday wins I think if I had to put like spread who has like the highest who has like the highest spread I would probably say the highest spread is in the Georgia Cincinnati game that's only because I think these teams are both capable of putting up points but if one team starts turning the ball over it could get a little ugly so um I think if I had to rank the rank the potential of the top the the bottom seeds winning, I'd rank it Minnesota one, Baylor two, UNC three, Georgia four. But that doesn't mean I don't think Georgia and UNC could win their matchup. Just things I have less confidence in them than I do them myself and Hawaii versus Baylor. That does it for the podcast. Just at around thirty four minutes. Um, it's been a great season. We've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good football played, a lot of shit talking, and it all comes down to these final three weeks. Four games today, two games on the fourth, and championship game on December 11th. Should be very interesting to see how this season ends and who is crowned our fall 2022 Bear Down Flag Football League champion. Um, This is just a solo pod, so uh, I'm signing off now. Brandon Kurtzman, commissioner of the Bear Down, and I cannot wait for Sunday's games. See you all at the field, 9 o'clock Eastern, to see a good one. Peace.